0: a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars Episode 9 Duel of the Fates The iron grip of the First Order has spread to the furthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain unoccupied. Traitorous acts are Punishable by death. Determined to suffocate a growing unrest, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between neighboring systems. Led by General Leia Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path to freedom.
1: And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 389, Duel of the Fates. I'm, as always, one of your host, Jason Hunt. And with me, the Poe friend to my fin, we've got Carl LeClaire. Ah, oh, Jason,
2: it's so good to be back. Um, I am extremely excited. We've been plugging this for the last two weeks. Uh, I actually just finished my third listen-through today of the Duel of the Fates podcast radio drama that was put together by Jamie. Jamie, welcome to the Wampa's Lair. We're so glad to have you on air with us.
0: I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: It's our pleasure. Trust me. (laughs) The, The product that you put out with this Duel of the Fates radio drama, radio show, whatever... Uh, you choose to call it, um, is just unflippin' believable. Um, I have loved listening to this. Um, and I'm so glad and so honored that you have the time and are taking the time to to be with us to talk specifically about the making of this radio show, as well as just kind of some of the ins and outs of this episode nine story script that was uh, the first draft by Colin Trevorrow. And I always forget his, co- his co-writer. Who was it?
0: Is Derek Connolly. That's right. Yeah. Derek, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so obviously this leaked a while back. It seems like Trevorrow has even confirmed that this is in fact the, the, real, the real deal. And then someone like you came along with the creativity to turn it into a radio play, which is just a blast. Yeah. Um, and uh jamie you probably don't know this because you've never been on our show obviously but uh throughout the the several years jason and i have been doing wampusler um we have continuously gone back and like added on the old star wars radio dramas at the end of episodes just for people to listen to at the end of episodes so both of us really love the old star wars radio dramas from the 90s so when i saw this come out i was like this is so cool and uh a great a good friend of mine, Greg had reached out to me. He's like, you should check this out. I know you love radio dramas and this is a really cool take on the, uh, episode nine script by Trevorrow. Um, and, and I, I've just been hooked ever since. <laughs> so, um, Oh, thank you. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. G- Greg is my, Greg is my, like Ben Kenobi of my star Wars experience. So he's always, he's always <laughs> reaching into the treasure chest for an old lightsaber hilt to hand me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, your, your buddy Greg.
1: Um I've met him a few times too. Greg Greg is good people. Greg is definitely good people. So
2: Um but uh but Jamie, before we uh before we get into the topic of of the Duel of the Fates radio drama, uh we have a uh, matchup from last week's episode where we talked all things Lord Tyrannus slash Count Dooku, and we asked all mm-hmm. of you who you thought would win in a matchup between the good Count and the ever frustrated Kylo Ren. Uh, Jason, Indeed. what did the Larians <laughs> have to say about this particular matchup?
1: Well, they had quite a bit to say, um, and we posted this uh, matchup on our Facebook, our Twitter, and our brand new Instagram page. so if you haven 't checked that out, be sure to check us out on uh, Instagram at, at the underscore Wampas lair. Is it Wampas lair Wampus Lair podcast
2: just Wampus lair
1: okay at the underscore Wampas lair, so check us out there. Um, but our our tally from you, our, our listening larians here, uh, came back as 60 votes for Count Dooku and 39 votes for Kylo Ren. So <laughs> there you have it. Carl, uh, where did you come down on this matchup?
2: Oh, man, I give this hands down to Kylo Ren. And I know I'm in the minority there. But, you know, I think everybody loves the, the panache of Christopher Lee. Um, which I get, I do too, but Count Dooku, it was a pawn Insidious' game. Kylo Ren eradicated Luke Skywalker's new Jedi Order, uh, and Luke is leaps and bounds ahead of Count Dooku. So I think people like to just fixate on how Kylo has a temper. I always like to say, did you watch Episode Nine? though? He is so calm in that entire movie, Um, and he is very in control of every fight he has. Um, the dude is brutal. Like he fights in the same style as Darth Vader. He just overpowers the folks he goes against. And remember how easily Anakin overpowered Dooku at the end of Revenge of the Sith. I think Kylo has far surpassed that type of power. So I think he he destroys Count Dooku. As much as I love Count Dooku, I think Kylo crushes him. But that's my take. Um, Jamie, okay. what, what do you think? Um, as as the newcomer, as the out, as the as the new uh, host of the show for this week.
0: well i would say i feel similar to how you feel i am not as familiar with dooku outside of the films like i haven't read any of the uh novelization pieces on him so to me we only have what we saw for for me i only have what i saw in the films and you know like like you said he was he was but a pawn you know um, I have watched the Clone Wars, though, and I guess he is pretty badass in the Clone Wars. <laughs> um, I, I would still give it to Kylo Ren, just based on um, you know sort of his place. the The Sith were <laughs> the Sith were sort of a uh, virtually extinct, and and he, you know, brought the back. Uh, um and uh you know you can't you can't uh crinkle your nose at that kind of you know power or
1: prowess
2: hey i'm right with you but i i have a feeling jason's gonna go the other way
1: oh you you know me too well carl (laughs) Um, uh jamie in case you you haven't picked up i am incredibly biased towards Count Dooku, as he is one of my favorite characters in the entire saga. In no small measure, due to Christopher Lee. But, um, I, I do think he would... It would be a close match, Jeff. I don't think it's as close as, as some of our our, our listeners uh, wrote in about it. Uh, there were some that were, were quite um, quite emphatic that the Count would just completely wipe the floor with, with Kylo, and I don't think that's the case. Uh, because, you know, Kylo's not a pushover at all. Um, and... And while his style is definitely, it's a much more powerful style than than Dooku's is. But I do think Dooku is more tactful and more uh, cunning than Kylo is. And I think he would find a way to use Kylo's power against him. Um, I mean, it, it took three years of duels throughout the Clone Wars before Anakin finally bested Dooku. Um, so let's not forget that. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and Count Dooku even fought off Asajj Ventress and two Sisters while drugged and blinded um, in his silk pajamas in the Clone Wars. So let's also not forget that. Um, plus, when you got Sith Lightning, that kind of evens some of the playing field. And I don't remember... Kylo using any of that. Although he has some other special force powers that might be a problem for the Count. I think it's close, but I do think Dooku comes out on top of this one. So,
2: yeah, I Must. feel like I don't know. Kylo could just immobilize him like he did to Ray.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like Dooku would be able to figure out a way out of that or dodge it.
2: <laughs> Maybe.
1: So, uh, Ray had no, no idea that was coming. So, <laughs> but. But uh, that gives us a final tally here of sixty-one for Count Dooku and forty-one for Kylo Ren. Um, a nice, a nice, good spread. It's not a complete blowout like we've had before, Carl. So yeah,
2: I'll take uh, it. Um, but uh, yeah, so as always, thank you to all of you who responded through now our several forms of of social media. Um, like Jason said, we added an Instagram. Um, just earlier this week, uh, I personally love Instagram on my own. So I was like, you know what? We should make an Instagram for the podcast. <laughs> so, um, so we we asked you all over there too. So, uh, like Jason said, if you have an Instagram, you want to follow us. Um, it's just the underscore Wampus Lawyer. So uh, be sure to follow us there. Um, but uh, as always, we'll have a poll for you at the end of this week's episode. Um, but without further ado. Jamie, uh, I have, I have questions about this incredible work of art you've created for all of us in the star Wars community.
1: Um,
2: and my first question I think is just a, it's pretty general one. where did this come from? What inspired you to do this?
0: Oh, wow. Um, that's a great question. That's a great question. What inspired me to do this? Uh, it was, it was a, a couple of things to be honest with you. Um, we were in the early stages of COVID and I was speaking to a friend of mine and I said, um, I've just finished reading the script. This is going to be the next podcast I produce. Uh, like I really like to do like a table reading once things settle down, you know, uh, of this, of this script, I think it would be kind of cool to get some people together around the table and do like a, you know, just a table read, and he said, "That's a you know, that sounds like a fun idea." And then it dawned on me that if I had this idea, then probably a lot of other people had this idea. So I needed to get cracking and get get a move on. You know, um, if I was if I was going to you know beat the beat the next guy to the to the idea i suppose and so that meant um early in god when was it like it was like the the 15th or 20th of march i set uh a may the 4th deadline for the first episode and i started just working back from that day and going through you know all the different channels that i needed to fill so i needed to cast people and I needed to figure out uh, the technical logistics. Like, how the hell was I going to, you know, do this in a way where everyone is isolated? Everyone is at their own house. They 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 weren't able to come over to my place to do a table read. Um, I needed to see, you know, sort of the format that I wanted to do in my head. I thought the idea of doing like twenty minute snippets was. A good idea, because it's just more digestible you know um, than than asking somebody to sit down and listen to two hours and forty minutes of of something right, and it also gave us the opportunity to break up the project in a way that made it manageable so there was you know I have a bit of a project management background, so i project managed it (laughs) i i just broke it into those components and started to uh, started playing about (laughs) and uh and next thing i knew i had a cat and i had a good friend of mine that um was up for the challenge of writing a score and i have another friend who has a production company and he he volunteered to um put some sound effects you know on the so Immediately, it became, not immediately, like two weeks in, it became more of an audio drama than um, I had initially envisioned. Initially, it was going to be more like a fable read. And, uh, you know, that's sort of where we where we landed early on. Does that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, and, I, and I love that. Because, I know I meandered, meandered there a little bit.
2: No, well I, I wouldn't expect a simple answer for something that is like, is as flushed out as this is and um so can i just let me ask you too on um, like so obviously you got your hands on that script you sat down and read it did you i mean i imagine you liked it enough to go ahead and launch this project i did yeah that
0: was something that was something that i should have said that um yeah i read the script and it was really interesting to me i thought I enjoyed rise of, uh, the Rise of Skywalker. I enjoyed it But it wasn't um, as sad as I would have liked there were there were gaps for me and laying this script over top of that script it was almost like it filled in some of those gaps that that, that um, the Rise of Skywalker missed for me mm-hmm. you know whether or not you liked Rise of Skywalker or didn't mm-hmm. like it is is irrelevant to me i just thought this would be a fun way to get the script into as many people's hands as possible because a lot of people don't want to sit down and read a script uh so listening to the script would be a little bit more fun you know um and i thought we could have some fun with it i thought there were some i thought there were enough ideas in it and and uh story threads that i thought paid off from the last jedi which i really enjoyed um that it would be compelling and it would be interesting and i I don't know i that was just sort of what i thought i didn't didn't do you know market research or anything like that i I had no idea what people were going to think of this or how i was going to really get it into their hands um you know i needed a million more Gregs (laughs) out there to tell their friends about about this but um you know here we are
1: yeah I, I do have a, a, a quick question. Um, in reading the script and then adapting it to, to what you have produced, did you make any uh, changes or did you stick pretty pretty close to the script? I have not read the script, and so this is my first time experiencing it just listening to your show. Um, so I'm just curious to, to know, did you adjust anything uh, for the new format or, or did you keep kind of pretty much to the letter?
0: I so I did two, two types of changes. The one type of change was because it was an early draft, there were some weird congruities in the script, um, characters that were set up like dialogue and dialogue, like just weird stuff of like that. So I, I i did a I did a fix on you know grammatical and technical sort of things, and then. I did make a few minor, well, and um, I guess it depends. You know, from a certain point of view, they were minor. <laughs> but uh, I did make some. I did make a couple story changes, like just very minor story changes. Um, I switched a couple scenes around to just make it flow better. I changed the last sentence of Princess Leia's general leia's uh story to um make it a little bit more profound for her i wanted her to have a really nice ending and so um but i I, but i think there were things that they would they would have changed anyway there's a scene where r2d2 reboots and basically plays back you know all the adventures well none of the prequel movies made the cut um, so i added a couple prequel snippets there uh in, into that reboot so that um it was a little bit more
2: Ugh.
0: holistic view of the entire, you know, nine movies. Um so just little things like that here and there.
2: Yeah. Thanks for doing that, because uh the prequels do exist, JJ Abrams. Um <laughs> no, just and college, Trevor. <laughs> yeah. Um so we the so Jason and I both love the prequels, Jamie. Uh we, we we've enjoyed we both loved Rise of Skywalker as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was a great question, Jason, um, and fantastic answer. Uh, Jamie, I have another question and you've already, I mean, you alluded to where it came from at this point. Um, a friend of yours, you said, composed the music. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more? So one of my favorite elements of star Wars is music. And I was so fascinated with the music that was used here because, um, so I guess kind of two quick, well, one quick question is, did you, did you choose, consciously not to use you know original music like that john williams did was that maybe a conscious decision for the sake of um you know copyright issues or was it more of just you wanted to try going your own route with new music
0: it was a mix of things really um truthfully when it was going to be more like a table i the first big revision i made was you know what I'm going to put some music behind it and make it a little less table-ready. And um, what I started to do was I started to just go through the scores of the films that that we already have and and pick snippets. And so the first thing I cut together was the trailer. Uh, and when I cut together the trailer, I put in three pieces of music from you know various movies Mm -hmm. so the trailer is only 90 seconds long so they were really small snippets and when i played it to casey uh his name is casey lyons and he is at target and hondo on uh, twitter and he's a you know must follow he's got uh, a couple eps out under that moniker and um, it's good stuff so when i played that to him he was like you know i think that this is something that i could do and i would enjoy doing is scoring this trailer so why don't you send it to me as you got it i'll use the music that you put in as sort of you know a jumping off point which he ultimately didn't really end up doing um because i had i actually had duel of the fates in the trailer um, you know, it was, I don't know if you've heard the trailer, but the trailer is, is Torval, you know, it's uh, Torvald's first line, reveal yourself, and then it cut to Duel of the Fates, uh, the big, um, you know, the big sing song behind of Duel of the Fates. Um, so Casey ended up scoring it very differently, and he put a challenge to himself, and the challenge that he put to himself was, I love Uh, John Williams, but I don't want to copy him directly. You know, it's going to be a pastiche. There's, there's certainly going to be a pastiche and there's going to be thematic elements that are going to resonate, but I I can't just wholesale, um, you know, steal his sound. And in fact, there's only one piece in the entire duel of the fates podcast that he uses i think it's five notes i think there's five notes in a row that are like star wars themed notes so there are homages for sure there's spots where you hear you know a, a sound but it doesn't lead you down the same corridor that you might think it's leading you down because all of a sudden there's a hard right turn after three notes or something like that and uh, there's a lot of that in the script, but there's one part, and I'm trying to remember where it is in the script that he actually did use five. Uh, it might be when r 2 reboots. It might be. It might be then.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I. It might be. Cause it, I think it was like the start of the force theme, maybe or something, but I could be wrong. I did notice though that the music did kind of start down a familiar path and then kind of veer off slightly so that that was something I did notice and picked up on, which I, I I did appreciate so
0: yeah we we definitely wanted to avoid copyright, I mean for <laughs> sure we didn't we, we were treading we were treading treading uh you know on thin ice to start with, we thought you know, like here we're using the script and we're producing it, now we're doing it for, you know like we're not charging for it. We're not uh, making any money at this or anything like that. Um, quite the opposite, in fact. But, um, when you venture down adding music on top of it, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's inviting a world of <laughs> inviting a world of, of hurt coming your way
2: <laughs> Yeah.
0: from Disney, you know?
2: Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, I gotta say the the music is incredible, and it felt very Star Wars, but obviously very much its own thing. Um, and there's oh, one. didn't he do a great job? Oh, he did a he really amazing did. job. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's there's one particular instance, um, kind of right at the beginning of it, when when we're down on um, oh my gosh, I can't remember the opening planet that we go to. Quat, um, Quat. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you, you yeah. know they're going, they find Rose, and they're going into that like migrant workers um, like little hovel and there's a child in there and the music he plays there. It's, it's just so beautiful. It's like a little fairy tale type music. Um, it kind of reminded me a lot of the feeling of the end of last Jedi, kind of the, the music that plays right as we see the children telling the story at the end of the movie there. Um, it, there's kind of this very chime like fairy tale music. And I love how he beautifully captured that in that moment. Cause it was like the perfect feel for the music. And it wasn't the same but it was the same feeling, and I was just like, "Oh, this is brilliant!" <laughs> oh, that's so cool! I'll pass it along for sure.
0: That's yeah. so nice.
2: Yeah, no, it's 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 just so darn smart. And some of the music that he put together for the like the the the, the duels between Kylo and Ray, um, the the ending battle there over Coruscant, um, like the string work that he he puts in there. I mean, it, it reminded me a lot of some of like the urgent music at the end of Rogue One. Um, But again, but with kind of like that very epic feel, um, because that's what's happening. I mean, you have this huge epic battle at the end of this story and and his music just like, oh, it made me like get out of my seat and like pace around. I'm like, this is so good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. That's what that's what you want to hear when you make something like this, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, So, Jamie, you. You also narrated this project, correct? You're, you're the one reading all the script uh, parts, correct?
0: Uh, that was me, yes. I, I tried to get somebody else to do it, but I couldn't get somebody who could put that amount of time into it. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being me doing that part, which which ultimately, from a workflow perspective, worked out rather nicely because I could cut the episodes around my schedule and then I could you know, record the narrative over top and I didn't have to worry about recutting or anything like that. So, you know, that worked out nicely. But um that's been the biggest complaint that I've heard so far, you know, about the about the project. You can't call it an audio drama when, you know, there's people reading stage direction and it's like, well, you know, again, that's the that's the vestiges of it being a table read, I suppose, right? <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, and and I think it's 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 tough because you don't have working visuals to go off of even when you think of the the original star wars radio dramas right they they had at that point had over five to ten almost ten years for some of them of you know kind of digesting those films visually so it's easier to you know brian daly sat down and rewrote those stories based on the visuals that he had seen for years at that point so he expanded on dialogue and and made dialogue work to explain what we're seeing um you know you didn't have that advantage you did, this isn't a, this was not an actual movie like this was just reading words on paper and then trying to give us that illustration and i think that in a very odd way it works so it works so well because it helps at least for me it helped me really visualize it by having something as detailed as that stage direction and again having that music behind it it, it that's what to me makes it a radio play a radio drama is It's not just you're reading the direction, like like in a monotone voice, like Kylo looks to the right and sees Rey. It's like you're reading with a level of inflection and then you're backed up with this incredible score that is emotionally pulling you in and it's allowing you to visualize it better because of those details, I would say. Oh, wow. Thank you.
1: I, I have a. I did have a question about that, though. Um, as someone who who uh, is is just getting into doing uh, narrating, um, I've run into points where I I have lines or, or or dialogue that I just cannot say for the life of me. Did you have a point where you literally spent, you know, what felt like forever just to get through one section of dialogue?
0: Oh my gosh! Yes, trajectory is a really tough word, <laughs> and they use the word trajectory" three times in the in the screenplay uh, I think it's three times um, there's a really cool scene where Chewbacca gets in an x wing and he is flying and I forget that I wish I had the script in front of me right now, but um. Basically it's a really long sentence, but it ends with aeronautical badassery. And it's so cool. It's just so cool. And for me, I wanted to nail it, you know, for the nine year old me that would be like losing his mind in a movie theater, seeing Chewbacca in an X Wing, you know, I wanted to make sure that I really nailed that aeronautical badassery, you know. Um <laughs> just with the right inflection and the right tone. And then also actually not butchering the words because by the time I got there, it definitely was difficult to say, but the most difficult thing was trajectory. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is valid. (laughs) Um, Do you have a
1: question, Carl? I think,
2: uh, what? So my, my last question for you just on the, the, the making of behind the scenes look, I guess is, and I think you've kind of already alluded to it, but the folks that did the, the voice acting, um, were those just friends of yours that you reached out to?
0: It was friends and one level beyond it was friends and friends of friends of friends, you okay. know, yep. um, friends and friends of friends, I should say. Um, <laughs> the, the actress who played Ray, for example, was somebody I did not know. But uh, she was really good friends with my friend Armand, who played Finn. So you know, he basically um, passed me her information, and I got her to do a read. And I, yeah, I was just like, yeah, that's that's you're you're going to be right. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I don't I don't need to look anymore. You you know you nailed it a few scenes there and that was wonderful. So yeah, by and large, I just reached out to people that I knew and, um, I've got some, you know, some talented friends and, uh, and they did a really great job. It was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. I guess while everyone was great, I got to just say, uh, particular highlight to me was whoever did Rose. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, she was, I mean, she just, not only did she capture the character, just the feel of the character, but um, also sounded a lot like Kelly Marie Tran to me. Um, I just I, – I thought that was – it was just the, a particular standout. Again, not at the not at the detriment to anyone else, but that was just a particular highlight to me it was was whoever did Rose. It was just incredible.
0: Well, her name is Amy, Amy Hankel, and I've known Amy for a very long time. Her and I went to performance school together and we just sort of stuck together, Um, you know, through all these years, almost 20 years. And uh, she was definitely somebody I called very early on in this project. Uh, I really wanted her to be a part of it. Um, She's infectious and she's wonderful. And her and I saw Last Jedi together and we saw The Rise of Skywalker together. And, um, yeah, she's just a great Star Wars friend and a great friend overall. And she is you know, immensely
2: talented. Well, that goes without saying. <laughs> and, and, and I would say the same goes for everyone who, who, who was uh, involved with the voices for this. Um, Kylo especially was incredible. Um, you, you already mentioned, you know, how you got to know the, the woman who did Ray. She's great. Um, I mean, everyone was phenomenal. I mean, the, whoever you got to do Chewy was dead on. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that, were those were those sound clips
0: for both so, i just used sound effect. yeah those are sound effects yeah awesome. I, I had the chewy early on and i was just like this is this is good but i think i can do better with the i think i can do better with the sound effects i think it'll it'll pay off more so yeah i just did sound effects for chew. yeah i
1: i did have one final technical question carl before we moved on to the next um
2: yeah do it do it up
1: so Jamie, you, you kind of mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that it was you know, going to be difficult getting people to, together to, to do the recordings since everyone was isolated and you know, quarantined at home and things like that. So how, how did you go about getting all the, the, the different cast you know, recording and did you have them all do it individually? Did you have people do it together? How, how did that kind of work? Well, it's
0: kind of a mix of both, really. Uh, what I did was I, I, I um, uploaded the script into screenwriting software that allows you to take a PDF and put it right into screenwriting software, and then I marked the scenes off uh, so every scene, you know, I had access to every scene, and then I could look at which actors were in which scenes. And I started to lump things together to make it so that, you know, say the three of us were in a bunch of scenes together. Well, why not record that in like a pod uh, together, the three of us? And that way you guys can act against each other and I can act against you. And um, there'll be a bit of play there. You know, we'll get some a little bit more emotion than we might get just reading it, you know, in a vacuum. And so that's what I did. Uh, essentially, if you had uh, smaller or bit parts, I I got you to record it, you know, on your own. But if um, you were one of the more predominant characters, prominent characters, then in that case, I used a piece of software called Remotely, which is like Zoom, but it's just a little bit better quality from an audio perspective. And... Um, you could have up to eight people in a pod. So in a couple instances, I had, you know, seven actors and then myself directing them and we, we did it from there and I recorded it. And then once it was all recorded, I separated it up by character, um, you know, chronologically. And then I would cut, cut it together, intersperse it with the, with the um stage direction which i did completely independent of the production so it was a lot more work than it needed to be like i could have done it probably a little bit more straightforward and a little bit more like uh, a table read but ultimately i'm really happy with you know the result like i think that what we did was more onerous but it was worth it it was worth it for what we got
1: Oh that's great now I, I think it turned out really well and uh, and I can definitely tell that there were scenes where actors were were playing off each other so um, I think it I think it definitely paid off so oh, thank you
2: well, yeah right. uh, it's uh, I mean again i you know, do, making this podcast each week is relatively easy compared to everything you did. Uh, I hit a record button and then I do like the tiniest bits of editing at the end and that's it. Um, so coordinating all those different parts, especially like you said, not having right with the with quarantine going on, not being able to do this with probably getting everybody together to actually sit down and do a very traditional style table read, um, sparsing all those things together, not to mention the sound effects, the score And just making it all work so brilliantly, Um, I just commend you on that on that skill set. It's incredible. Well, it was a big
0: group effort for sure. Like um, you know, like I was the quarterback or the head coach or whatever whatever position you want to use in whatever particular sports analogy you (laughs) want to use. But um, but you know, Casey was there doing the score and the mixing and mastering. And Rainy Productions, uh, Rainy Media was doing the special effects or the sound effects. So um, you know there was like I would I would get things to a point, hand it off to the next person. It would come back to me. I would do a you know another sort of draft at it, hand it to Casey, and then he would hand me the final project, and we'd upload it from there. So yeah, it was it was a, a group effort for sure.
2: Well, you can tell you can tell that it was a lot of dedicated folks putting their their heart and soul into it and uh and i mean like i said it just really pays off it's incredible um but uh i wanted to, i wanted to talk a little bit about just the story itself um you know it's, sure. it's dual the fates is a very different it would have been a very different film than the rise of skywalker and you know from the sounds of it you enjoyed rise of skywalker jason and i both enjoyed rise of skywalker um, that being said after listening through this a few times I think I do think that this is a better story there are things I certainly prefer from rise of Skywalker uh, most notably I think Ray's journey I personally preferred in in rise of Skywalker but as an overall story um, I felt that this was much more consistent and coherent for finishing the sequel trilogy specifically um, I don't know that there's any great way to wrap up the nine part saga. Cause to me, I still like the sequels still just feel a little out of place to me from the the other six. Um, and I don't mean that to be dismissive of them. I, I enjoy them very much, but they still feel a bit distinctly different from the, the George Lucas saga. Um, but that being said, I felt like Duel of the fates did a really great job, most specifically of being a sequel to last Jedi. Um, I don't think JJ was trying to retcon anything that was done in last Jedi at all. I really don't. Um, I just I think though that what again it it was it was neat because you had a different creator right you this would have been a third creator for this trilogy you go from JJ's vision to Ryan's vision to Colin Trevorrow's vision and uh, it was neat to just see the way they all built off one another and I feel like Trevorrow did a better job building off of what came before whereas JJ um, kind of just built more off of his own intended vision of how to finish this story um and, and kind of shoved in some from episode eight where he, he thought it, it would fit. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, just as the creator of this radio production, Jamie, I'm just curious, how do you feel like it, uh, you know, when you finished reading that script and you made this decision to, to make the radio show and, you know, you get then you get to hear this all come to life through the the actors and, you know, the whole production coming together and. Um, and and not to make the, the, like you have to choose like one over the other, but how did it sit for you when you, when, when it was all said and done? Well, I think the, the first thing
0: I have to sort of add as a caveat to everything is I think what JJ was handed, you know, um, the task that he was handed to corral a, a star Wars feature film. The ninth, part of a star wars feature Mm -hmm. film um something that you know they was to tie up the skywalker saga you know which they hadn't really when episode seven came out they didn't really talk about it being um the seventh part of the skywalker saga but when part nine came out all of a sudden it was this is the skywalker saga and we're going to wrap it up and you know everything's going to come together so he he had that task foisted on him I mean, he was paid handsomely, but um, <laughs> he, 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 that, that was his task. And he had to do it in less time than anybody's ever done that in before. So kudos to, kudos to him and bravo for what we got. You know what I mean? Because like, it really could have been absolutely awful. It they they should have given him an extra year for sure. Um, so I like to always start with that. Um, I think though, that now that I've spent so much time with this script and, um, I think knowing that it was a work in progress, it was, you know, the rumor is it's the second draft, uh, of this script. So presumably there would have been at least two more, you know, and then they would have been changing things up. On set as well, like to a degree, uh, you know, minor changes, obviously, but but changes nevertheless. I think the bones, like the skeleton of this story, is a sturdier skeleton, and I think that it it just stands uh, stands independently and stands as part of this sequel trilogy uh, more strongly. Um, I, I I I I do believe that at this point. Mm. maybe you know it's not a perfect script it's not perfect but but with the time and care that it would have got you know uh, under their supervision i i I think it i think it could have been truly 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 an epic epic film because we get we get not one but two really great battles between ray and kylo ren and not to mention the 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 visuals that they have of themselves battling, you know, like they battle four times in the film, you know, if you in- include their flashbacks, you get to see Kylo Ren face off against freaking Darth Vader. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Yeah. That would have been worth the, that would have been worth the price of admission alone. Like for that four <laughs> minutes of, of celluloid, like that would have been amazing. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, I'm, I'm firmly in camp duel of the fates at this point. I'm a I'm a sucker for um you know, for the work that we put in and uh I think that what Mr. Trevaro and uh, Mr. Conley came up with was really uh a really great um a really great story and a great script.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm in I'm in agreement. Um in what like where do you fall with it, Jason, after you know, listening through it?
1: Um, well, I, uh, I'm I'm of sort of a conflicted mind uh, because I do like the bones of this one, as you as you said, Jamie. I think that's that's a better term than what I was using before. The the bones, the skeletons of Duel of Fates, I do really enjoy. However, the character journeys and what um, the it, it, what they did ultimately in with Ray and Kylo. Um, in the Rise of Skywalker, I, I think I prefer the movie better. Um, I'm, I will say the the one thing that kind of stuck out to me as sort of a this doesn't quite fit with the rest of the saga uh, in the Duel of the Fates is how they end up defining balance uh, in Ray at the end, um, and that's that would have been something I would have had an issue with had this version made it. Uh, to screen, but um, I don't know. I, th- there are definitely parts that I think work very well in the Duel of the Fates, and would have made for a really great story. Um, but you can you can also see where they took moments and ideas from the Duel of the Fates script and switched them up and and repurposed them for the rise of skywalker there's a lot of that that you know some sometimes scenes or things that happen are are done differently or you know a concept uh, like a, an action cue is something that's you know done differently or done in a different part of the the story but there are definitely things that are can be taken directly from the duel of the fate script and can you can see them be transposed into the rise of skywalker so that's kind of where I'm sitting at. I'm kind of like, I am really, in a sense, straddling the fence on this one. Um, so,
2: <laughs> yeah. And I think the nice thing is, is you don't have to choose. I mean, you're never going to get this on film, you know. So I think that no, yeah, yeah. So what we've got is, uh, I mean, what what you've put together, Jamie, is the closest thing I think we'll get to it being. Uh, heard at least uh i will say you know i'm trying to remember the 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 guy's name but i know someone now is making the duel of the fits fate script into a comic um that they're sharing online for yes um, and it's incredible like i was i was listening i was looking through that as i was listening to your production the other day and i was like this is this is like a perfect uh, companion to to the podcast um you know i noticed you you know you've shared them on your twitter and we've and i, I did the same um, but I'm excited for what they're doing, uh, giving kind of some of these really iconic scenes visualizations. Um, it's really cool. Yeah, and this is this is what I love about very Star Wars cool. fans is like just that passion and creativity to to take something like this, and you know I'm, you've been very clear uh, with us here, and um, I know the other person uh, who's making this comic has been very clear that they're you're just doing this because you loved that script and you want to s- you do more with it. It's not like a, oh, I hated episode 9. <laughs> yes. I have to fix it, right? <laughs> yes. You know, I, th- I think that's that, right. that doesn't leave a lot of room for creativity when you when you tackle something out of a place of hatred, but um, when you when you tackle something, you say, wow, I just really love this. I mean, I, I like what we have, but I really love this too, so let's play with this too. Um, I just think that's really neat. Um, and in a lot of ways, you know, like you pointed out to Jason, there is a lot of there are a lot of elements from the Duel of the Fate script that make their way into Rise of Skywalker. So, you know, I would assume that J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio were probably privy to that first draft that we, you know, we all now have, um, because there are some very concrete elements that make it into Rise of Skywalker. Um, well, you figure there's there's
0: enough there's enough content of Trevorrow and Connolly's in the Rise of Skywalker that they got. A story credit, right? Right. So, good point. yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think Terryo and JJ probably had access to the script, and you know, tore it apart and rebuilt it, and added their own stuff, and tore it apart again, and you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever the process is of writing something, you know, that giant um, man, what a task!
1: Oh yeah, and there there was no way finishing. A nine-part saga uh, with one final movie was gonna was going to be a perfect uh, undertaking. So <laughs> I'm happy with what we got. But this adds. I do like what you said earlier. This this sort of adds like a nice little uh, optional layer to put over the top of it to kind of maybe fill in some gaps that we didn't have filled in otherwise. Um, yeah. So it it's a really fun story, and I and I think. Uh, just from the story perspective or The Rise of Skywalker, or The, the Duel of the Fates, one of the things that I really appreciated about this uh, is Rose and her much bigger and more involved role uh, in Duel of the Fates than what we got in Rise of Skywalker. So,
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it's good that she has it, because... She doesn't really have a role in Rise of Skywalker. Let's be honest. Um, I don't, and I don't, I don't think that's because JJ was like, "Oh, I hate this character. I'm not going to use her." I, I think he was just so fixated on making sure that Poe Finn and Rey have an adventure together for a chunk of the movie. I think that was his focus, um, and and I think that it makes sense. Um, but the way that it works in Duel of the Fates, where you essentially open the movie with Rose being undercover, she's the one who kind of gets the ball rolling for our crew. She's the one who sabotages at the end of the story, the last first order destroyer that tries to escape so that it flies into a star. Um, Right. Like Rose has such a huge part. Rose is also, she's, there's a torture scene where Rose gets tortured on something like a scan grid, Um, like good old Han Solo. Um, You know, so Rose is a huge part in this particular production. Um, And uh, yeah, it's it's really good to see her role expanded, and it, and it felt very fluid. Um, and I would say that, specific, to me, the highlight of Duel of the Fates is Finn. Um, next, uh, you know, Rose is great too because she actually gets a story. But I would say Finn's story is just it's just so much more clear and better um, than than what we got in Nine. I think Nine has the elements of what. Duel of the Fates did, but it didn't do it nearly as well. So, essentially, you get Finn leading a stormtrooper revolution. Um, you know, he's the one on the ground. He connects to a couple of stormtroopers, asks one for his name, encourages him to pick a name, and stand up for freedom. Like you, you have Finn very much the freedom fighter. And you know, one of the lines that you narrate, Jamie, in that production is something along the lines of how you know, Finn or, or Finn the um the deserter the traitor the revolutionary like it's just like that's so beautiful it's like three words that capture this character and his arc so beautifully um and I agree Yeah um you know so uh, for the sake of time um I as as usual whenever I do something like this I have over prepared as like up the wazoo. I have three pages of notes <laughs> as I was listening through <laughs> it for my third time the last couple of days. Um, and, and, and I, I mean, we'd be here all night, and I don't want to do that to anybody. Um, but you know, I would it, it say this if you've not yet listened to Duel of the Fates, I really encourage you to listen to it. Um, you know, I, I love that, Jamie. I love how you just put it in as an entire production. Um, Right. Rather than the I mean, you obviously have the nine individual episodes, but then you just put it out as one big two and a half hour production, which I think is really great. Um, So I would really, really, really encourage you to listen to this if if you haven't at this point, because what I'd like to do now, just for maybe like the last 20 to 30 minutes here is I'd love to just maybe each of us just share a few things from this particular script, from this particular story that just really stand out to you as being really great Star Wars. Um, and, you know, you, you created this, Jamie. So I'd, I'd be really curious. What, what were some of those moments that really just, you know, it, um, created that spark in you like Luke walking out on Crate? <laughs>
0: oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> uh, I would say the the stuff with Torvalum. Uh, the stuff with Torvalum and Kylo Ren, I really loved. I loved both their performances, uh, Greg Lagro played Torvalum, and I loved what he did with him. And Dan Baraburger um, did uh, Kylo Ren, and he also did uh, just a wonderful job. Um, but I think what I love about it is it's this sort of, you know, mirror image of what happens in The Empire Strikes Back, with Luke arriving on Dagobah and meeting this jedi master um that we don't know was also a jedi knight we just know he's a jedi master and he you know he gets trained in this unorthodox way and then you know he's given a task of facing his you know greatest greatest fear and confronting his father you know confronting darth vader um and in duel of the fates we get kylo ren showing up on Remnicor. And meeting Torvalum, who is a Sith Master, uh, a Sith Master who, who trained Darth Plagueis, um nonetheless. Um, and it turns out that this was a backup plan that Palpatine had in mind in case um, they were unable to turn Luke and the Emperor was destroyed. Vader was to take Luke to Remnacore to be trained by Torvalum. Um, But at at any rate, I'm meandering here, Uh, and what I mean to say is there's this mirror imagery, you know, right down to the virgins in the forest where Luke goes into the cave and faces Vader, and Kylo Ren goes into the virgins and faces Vader, Uh, you know, and they're both sort of awoken to these to the realities of the frailty of their characters through this journey, even though they gained this immense amount of strength and, and knowledge from this formidable, you know, creature, uh, both in Yoda's case and Torvalum's case. Um, but, but they come out of that different people. Luke comes out of, out of his time on Dagobah, a different person. And Kylo Ren comes out a different person as well. And it, Really, really um good uh storytelling and it's good that they're repurposing and using something that is familiar to us but not so familiar that it's slapping us across the face with it you know it's just it's just really good uh, i really enjoyed that
2: i i love the way you just kind of phrase it as as kind of being this great inversion of luke on digaba um because that's,
1: that's I, Carl's I, favorite stuff in all of Star Wars. So but, you, you got I, Carl there.
2: I think it just – but it works so it's, – it's so smart. I didn't even think of that because it's um, – you know, uh, with Force Awakens, Kylo is the first ever villain to be tempted by the light, right? And the whole idea of Kylo's story was to be this journey into villainhood, right? Like we see in the original trilogy the story of, um, you know, Vader becoming – the good guy. Um, The prequels are ultimately his fall, but Kylo was supposed to be a very, you know, we are introduced to a villain who continues to choose to be the villain. Um, Right. I think that's why a lot of people didn't necessarily want a Ben solo redemption from episode nine is because they thought it'd be, you know, nice to get something different. And I, and I think the way that this, this story works with Duel of the fates is we do. I mean, we do ultimately get Ben redeemed at the end in a very different way than we did with rise of Skywalker. Um, but this moment is just so great as he kind of continues that journey into his villainhood. And that's such a great moment. Like you said, like, I, again, like what, the, how cool that would have been to see on screen Kylo Ren fighting Darth Vader. And what's so interesting is that Kylo loses that fight, um, yeah, try. which is incredible. And he comes out and Torvald and basically says, you're not strong enough. And Basically, Kylo does something which we then see is a power in Rise of Skywalker. Kylo uses this Sith Force ability to drain all the life force out of Torvalum and essentially kill him. I mean, that's exactly what Palpatine's able to do at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Um, and again, I just I like the way that that expounded on the the kind of the mythology of the Force and how it uses this idea of the living force and you can drain that from somebody, which of course would be a Sith power. Um, so. Kylo, even though he kind of fails his tests, he comes out still stronger from it, like you said, he's changed by it, and he he s- just sucks all the life energy out of Tor Vellum and leaves him as a husk, as it says in the script um, and uh, yeah, yeah th- oh, that's a great moment yeah. um Jason, what's something that stood out to you from this story?
1: Oh uh, well, you know, uh, two of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars are r two d two and c three p o so um, getting some of their antics during the, the final battle of Coruscant. I, I, listening to this the first time, I had to stop and text Carl as soon as I got to the point <laughs> where Threepio is forced to pull out the mechanical guts of another astromech droid, an enemy <laughs> astromech droid. Um, and he sits there, and he's standing there with these parts in his hands going, I have done a terrible thing. I shall never be the same again, you know and R2's just, you know, giving him lip like he always does. Um, you know, I, I that moment, that moment made me literally laugh out loud while I was listening to the the episode. Um, and then you know, R2 getting shot and then getting rebuilt and having the whole moment where he he replays the saga as he boots back up online like that is um just a fantastic, you know, Point for me, R two is my favorite character in Star Wars. Um, so, getting getting those kinds of moments out of this, uh, there were all all sorts of other great moments as well. But that that's really kind of one of my my favorite little highlight moments because R two and three PO running through laser fire and bickering the entire way is Star Wars um, in one of its purest forms. So, <laughs> I, uh, getting some of that in here and and having ThreePO, you know, just bemoaning the the horrible, you know, violence he has committed upon another droid is really amusing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and Jason, I know because you you did text me. You're like, if if R2 gets taken out, I'm 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 gonna lose it. Um, yeah. And obviously, I knew it, that R2 does get taken out, which I loved it because again, ultimately, like he doesn't stay down for the count. Um, right? Right. They do reboot him, um, but you feel it. Like, again, just the way you put it together, Jamie, you feel it in that moment, and um, both... Well, specifically, R2 is extremely underused in the sequel trilogy that we have. Um, I -hmm. think the the role he plays in Duel of the Fates is so good. It's much more back to his original form. Um, I I do love 3PO and Rise of Skywalker, to be fair, Um, and he's equally good in Duel of the Fates, but the, and, and I'm sure, you know, both of you and probably several who are listening have seen that, you know, um, concept art where three PO has his hand and his head, you know, on the dome of R two, who's been deactivated because he's just been hit by a cannon blast. Um, you know, I mean, these are the original storytellers. This it's it's R two and three PO story in a way that, well, it was until JJ decided not to use them for an entire movie in Episode Seven. Um, but, uh, um. You know, it's 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 this really powerful moment where R two kind of goes out in a blaze of glory, and and three PO really mourns that loss, and then it gives us one of the coolest moments, with, which at the end is when they reboot R two, and he, uh, you know, you mentioned this, Jamie, how you added a few moments in this kind of replay moment where R two kind of plays back all the the big adventures of the Skywalker s- s- story. Um, starting with first meeting three PO on you know in an Anakin's slave hovel in Phantom Menace, like it's just to me like that that that's that's obviously like a bit fanservice-y and hitting on nostalgia, but I think in in a very good way, in a, in the very right way. Um, that it's kind yeah. of we hit the end of the story. It's I mean very indicative of three PO in the Ewok village retelling the the events of episodes you know four and five to the Ewoks. Right, it's it's that final chapter where you just kind of take stock of where you've been. So, and, and I love how you how that moment in, in Duel of the Fates when Artoo's playing those you know those scenes back. It's it's basically with Leia there, and it's a nice reminder to Leia um, that she finally this this long drawn out story has finally brought her to peace. Um, and, and the way that you kind of hit on that moment for Leia, Jamie, in the script. Um, that she finally has this element of peace is just so brilliant, um, right like this is kind of the perfect way for her her story to come to it. and obviously, right like deciding to use Leia in episode nine without Carrie Fisher, I think jJ again it does not get enough credit for how expertly he uses the role of Leia in episode nine without having Carrie Fisher with us. Um, that being said, I, I do prefer this ending for her where she doesn't die and she just finally gets to go be at peace because that's something Leia never had. She fought a rebellion and then she's been leading this resistance. Um, so at the end of Duel of the Fate, she finally gets this element of peace, which I think is great. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, Cheapers. I got to say, um, I think one of the things that really... Uh, stands out to me is just kind of this general theme that runs throughout Duel of the Fates of how our heroes ig- kind of inspire the entire galaxy. And right, that that big that big moment with Lando showing up in Rise of Skywalker is really cool, but it it's not really fleshed out. Like again, it's it's like it's neat that it's there, but it's not really well explained. Whereas this story does like when we when Leia meets Lando and she kind of tries to recruit Lando back to the fight, and he's like, nah. I'm, you know, to quote Rise of Skywalker, my flying days are over, um, you know, but he does come back. But, uh, you know, you get basically you know, this is the story of Ray, Finn and Poe and all three of them ultimately ignite a galaxy to, to rise up. Um, you know, you got that with Finn leading the stormtrooper rev- revolt on Coruscant. You've got it in Poe bringing the leadership together. And I think the scene that immediately drew me into this radio play um, is right there at the beginning when Rey is disguised as a Tusken Raider, whips out her lightsaber, and just takes out a bunch of stormtroopers. And you have, I love, again, I, I love the voices you have here where everybody's saying the word Jedi. And again, uh, you know, you got that beautiful piece of music under it. It's like, yes, we, we, that is a moment we never got in Rise of Skywalker, and it drives me crazy because we needed that. And I love that Duel of Fates opens essentially with this, this reality that Ray is this new Jedi and that she's igniting hope in the galaxy. Um, so, so I love how all three of them ultimately play this role in in uniting this galaxy against the First Order, um, and in, and kind of encouraging people to rise up against the face of tyranny that the First Order represents. Um, I think it's a just such a such a great theme for Star Wars, um, and, and it works so well. Um, and also, I mean, I, again, some of my favorite stuff is all from the beginning. And when the Knights of Ren first show up, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. How good is that? Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Chewy, it's Chewy's most,
1: when he throws the Knight of Ren off the ledge and shoots him in midair is yeah. amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I know that's later it's on. Definitely
0: so. a dark. It's it's definitely a darker film. Like it would have been. I don't know what it would have been rated, but um, there's some dark stuff going on. You know, with Ray crying blood, and you know all that all that giant battle with Poe and and Chewie and Ray against the Knights of Rand, Like that is some visual stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good though. I I I will say I. It's it's kind of fun to to imagine Chewie flying around in an X Wing, but I'm also they they say that I'm also wondering, how is he fitting in an X Wing? Like that's gotta be a tight fit. <laughs> like it's just fur sticking out from underneath the the the, 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 the closed cockpit, you know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> It's a great, it's a great scene, and I and I love how how it played out in in the story. But I just the visual of seeing of trying to see Chewbacca fit inside an X-wing is is rather amusing.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Oh, uh, Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the fact that one of the Knights of Ren, I think it's Hadascus Ren, who fights with a dark saber that would have been a cool yes. thing to see like Rey actually fighting the Knights of Ren and using force lightning on one of them. And it freaks her out again. So like that, again, that's like an element that found its way into rise of Skywalker. Ray yep. inadvertently uses force lightning and it freaks her out. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it was cool to see the way it was used here in this script where she's about to be struck down by one of the Knights of Ren and that's just kind of her impulse. And she just shocks him and immediately kills him. Um, you know it's 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 really really great um you know i would say you know well let me ask you jamie i'm curious how, how would you describe rays struggle in the duel of the fate script like what do you think she's ultimately struggling with there
0: well i think she's struggling with dogma <laughs> you know mm. the dogma of generations of like generation after generation after generation of um, Jedi, suggesting that you know being a Jedi is having two feet firmly planted in the light, and you know all the like. I think this goes back to Qui-Gon Jinn. You know, I, I think Qui-Gon Jinn had he lived, obviously this is a strange thing to say, but had he lived, I think the movies would be very different, right? Right. Oh. Um, like I There's think no- he, I think he was a Jedi. He was a Jedi that just got it, you know. Um, I think that there was more, like, less of the stuffiness, you know, of being a Jedi. And, you know, all that baggage that comes with it. Um, not not feeling, you know, not emoting. Like, that's just so strange. And I love that Ray is you know, pushing back against that and saying to, 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 to Luke and to the entire, you know, generation of Jedi before her that if that's what being a Jedi is, then maybe I'm not a Jedi. Like, maybe this isn't what I am. And then, you know, when she does shoot Force Lightning, um, yeah, you're darn right she's concerned because at this point, she's pushing back against being a Jedi and it's like, well, if I'm a Force wielder who's using Force Lightning, you know, am I because I'm angry, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm angry. I'm giving in, I'm feeling angry. And we, we know what Yoda said about anger, but I, I think that, um, I, I, I truly think it's dogma that she is pushing back against. And, and that's why, like, I, I'll stand up for Trevorrow's definition of balance. I, I think that there is something good in there. Um, if you're, if you're going to, pivot the series on on having an ending, then it needs to... then that way of life needs to end. You know? Like, if, if she's just good, if she's a light Jedi, then at some point there's going to be another Sith. There's going to be another dark Jedi that she's going to have to face. Whereas if, in this instance, she is a Jedi that is embracing you know, her love and her anger and all these human emotions, these um, you know, actual things, then there truly will be a new Jedi order at some point. There truly will be uh, you know, a new version of what we've seen in the past. And Yoda says as much at the end, right? Like, we were wrong. We, like, this is a continuation of the Yoda that we saw in The Last Jedi. Um, You know, that we learn from our mistakes and you know, we're better for it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's her journey is just running against dogma. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I love that. And and then I love how they write in this story. It is very much, uh, there's that great moment before Ray and Poe leave for Bonadan where she's talking to Leia and you know, Leia, Leia and Leia and kind of insinuates that she knows there's some sort of feelings there between Poe and Ray, and Ray basically says like, "Oh well, I'm not really supposed to if I'm going to be a Jedi." And Leia says something along the lines of, "According to who? Some you know, some old men from generations ago. You know, you're something new, uh, and the Force chose you." I I find that is one of the most powerful moments. And again, these are those are always my favorite moments in Star Wars movies, as these profound character moments. Um, as much as I love the great lightsaber fights and space battles. My favorite part of Star Wars is those character moments that define people. And, um, I mean, it's again, it's a similar moment when Leia and Rey part ways on Asian Kloss in, in Episode 9. Her last words to Rey are never be afraid of who you are, which I think is a very powerfully beautiful message. But I think this one is even more powerful. And, again, you have the advantage of not having to, you know, have to deal with the fact that Carrie Fisher's past. But you have that great scene where Leia essentially right. says yeah. the, the Force chose you. Um, and you get to write your story now. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, I'm still very much up in the air about what the heck that it even means to bring balance to the force. Cause I don't know that there's a really good solid answer, but I will say Trevorrow is, is reaching yeah. something new and different that I think is important. Um, because at the end of episode nine, it's like, is it really in balance? I don't know. I would say yes in some ways and I would say no in others. Um, but, uh, Obviously we get rays. We do get hints of rays past in Duel of the Fates. We learn that she did have a family that did love her. Um but um they ultimately were killed by Kylo Ren. Um the timeline of Duel of the Fates doesn't make sense for the sequel trilogy in my opinion. Um it seems to be implied through Duel of the Fates script that Kylo Ren has existed for a long time whereas episodes episode nine and eight kind of show that he's really only been around for a few years. So that's one thing that doesn't quite make sense. Cause Ray is basically put on Jack, as a young child to stay safe from Kylo Ren. But that would imply that Kylo Ren has been running around terrorizing the galaxy for a decade. Um, which I, I don't like to think is true, but that's okay. Um, so, but you know, but like that, that instinct Ray has in force awakens, of really wanting to stay there. And she even admits to Poe in this beautiful moment about how she always has this sense of love from her parents, even though she doesn't remember the specifics, she knows that they loved her and they were going to come back. And, you know, she learns at the end of the movie in that, that moment with when she kind of Ben Solo comes back to the light and his dying words to Ray are sharing her family name, which is, um, Saldana. Um, she's Ray Seldana, which is obviously just a, combination of solo and organa um what uh
0: you know yeah i think that would have been something that i think that would have been something that, that would have changed for the actual film but, uh, but yeah. yeah
2: yeah i i love ray skywalker to me it's one of the most powerful moments in the sequel trilogy to me personally so that's something i certainly prefer in rise of skywalker i love that she takes the name skywalker even if the even if it's not really strongly supported in in the in the in the movies but I do love the idea of her being a Skywalker because um, uh, it, it, it ends the saga but also preserves the saga whereas I think it is very clear what uh, Trevorrow was trying to do with Duel of the Fates is really end the Skywalker saga there aren't really any Skywalkers at that point except for really Leia um, so right anyway I just talked a lot I'm sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um but yeah, no it's a, it's a really interesting um alternate look at what could have been. Um yeah. And 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 th- like like I said earlier, there's definitely some things I really like about it. I like that we get to go back to Coruscant. I think that's a really nice thing. But then there's also <laughs> things I I'm not a big, you know, fan of. I I thought it was a little strange. That we started having the the love uh, the the romance thing going between Poe and Rey, I thought Finn would have been the one pursuing that based on what we had in the previous movies, um, but you know, I, you know, it, it still worked, you know, for the story we got. But it, it's just one of those things where you know, it as with any project, there's stuff that you really like and stuff that you would like. Eh, I could take or leave that. So sure. it, even
0: where where i'll sort of throw my last my last thoughts on on the film is or or the the project versus the film (laughs) is i i think the fact that duel of the fates takes place about five or six years after the last jedi Mm -hmm. versus the rise of skywalker which is about one year after the last jedi i think they would have with that space you would have created such a fertile area for storytelling. Uh, Like how does the resistance, you know, get back up to speed? Um, Like what are the different things that are going on in, in, in that time space, uh, you know, that you could use to explain away, um, you know, Poe and Ray falling in love or, or whatever. I I don't know, but I think that, I think that having a bit more space between those films um, would have, would have worked a little bit better, you
1: know. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I I think I said as much on this podcast from the beginning um, that I, I would have wanted at least a, a few years, and we only got one. So um, yeah, eight and nine. So, but you know, it's not my it's not my movie. So I just have no. to. So <laughs> I just have to you know say my piece and then enjoy it. Enjoy right. it. You, you just
0: enjoy it. You no. just be thankful that we live in a world where we get nine Star Wars movies. Well, <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah. no. yeah. Like, how, how cool is that? It wasn't that long ago in in my life that there were three.
1: You know. <laughs> that was it, Aaron. Fair enough. Um, oh, well, Carl, I think we've got our our typical Wampus Lair question that we got to yeah, ask our yeah. guests. So is you that,
2: know, Jamie, there's so much. Like, I, I I wish we could just go all night talking about all the ins and outs of this particular story for Duel of the Fates because there's just so much good stuff in it and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't revisit it at some point later on because again I'd love to just talk more about it. But That being said for the sake of time I would just like to ask you a couple quick just general Star Wars questions that I love to ask people that I, I'm kind of first meeting in the Star Wars world and the first question I always like to sure. ask people is what is your favorite Star Wars movie?
0: <laughs> oh that's a great question. So I've I've got, like, sort of a double-edged sword here.
2: Like, my default answer
0: is The Empire Strikes Back. Okay. That's my default answer. I just think that's the, you know, I I can watch that movie over and over again, and I, you know, get copious amounts of enjoyment out of it. It's it's great. But my ninth birthday party, uh, my birthday is in the summertime, so it's... Uh, well, it's July, July 24th is my birthday, and we're almost, uh, oh, yeah, hope, happy
2: almost birthday. That's right.
0: <laughs> Thank yeah. you. For my ninth birthday, I was allowed to invite six of my close friends to uh, go watch Return of the Jedi at the movie theater, and that was my first time seeing Return of the Jedi. I won't be somebody who's, you know, I can't tell you that I saw it the week it came out or whatever, but that was back when movies played you know, all, all summer, you know, like mm-hmm. they came out in May and they were still there in September. Um, but I saw it in, in, I saw it in uh, July and with six of my closest friends and my dad, and it was just a wonderful experience. Something that I just have really been thinking a lot about recently. Um, you know, with not being able to go to movies anymore (laughs) i've been thinking about some of my more memorable movie experiences and that's like number one with a bullet so how can i not say that that movie is you know a big part of that experience i like i mean i left the movie theater wanting to be luke skywalker standing on a skip you know uh Plank getting ready to catch my lightsaber, you know, like just like the rest of us did. But that was so cool. So it would be one of those two for sure. Um, but I have really enjoyed a lot of the other ones as well. Like I mean, I, I continue, I continue to enjoy what they what they deliver, and that includes Solo, and that includes Rogue One. I love those movies. Uh, I you know I enjoy the prequels. Um, I love uh, Revenge of the Sith um i think uh there's just a lot of great stuff force awakens re you know reawoke me you know like it, it had the perfect effect on me as a 40 year old going to the movies with my you know seven-year-old daughter at the time or six-year-old daughter at the time so you know it's tough to nail it down to one it's yeah. tough but uh empire strikes back would be you know the
2: one yeah oh what a great story though with return of the jedi though that's awesome
1: yeah <laughs> love it yeah my Carl, should we share ours?
2: Oh, for, for Jamie's for, oh, for Jamie's. Sure. Yeah, I I mean I'm I'm a diehard Empire person till the probably the day I die. I just love that movie. Kind of like you said, I could just rewatch that any day of the week and be very content. So, certainly that is certainly my favorite.
1: Yeah my uh, my favorite has always been Return of the Jedi. Just because I, I I don't find anything wrong with that movie. I think it's it's a perfect ending to the story. You know of that trilogy. Um, and I just love it. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. So, although I I kind of what, what sort of... we Carl and I met at a convention, and he asked all of the, us these questions over lunch, and my answers are kind of what made him want to start a podcast with me. And I said, oh, Return of the Jedi is my favorite, but number two is Attack of the Clones. Um, and, you know, nobody out there says Attack nobody of the Clones. Nobody says that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I know that, and I'm, 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 I admit I'm strange, but you know, no, they, I, I, I will contend that the, the final act is some of the best Star Wars action in existence. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but, I, yeah, I love that movie. I yeah. love them. Well, when, when somebody all, says they love attacking the clouds
2: that much, and you want to start a Star Wars podcast, you're like, I definitely want that person on my show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll cover all of it at this point. <laughs>
1: yeah. That was before the sequels were even announced, so it was like, yeah, okay. "Oh, we got the original trilogy and prequels. We'll, we'll, we got it all covered, all of it."
2: Um, but then, just the, <laughs> the, the the final question I have for you, Jamie, is: Is who's your favorite Star Wars character? Oh, that's
0: not there. Yeah, well, um, you, feel free
2: to feel free to name a couple. That's fine. Well, I think. <laughs> how can you
0: not like? The luke skywalker that shows up in return of the jedi like he's just so confident and he's so you know he's um he's a lot of what i'm not but uh he's confident and and he's got a swagger that he didn't have in the you know the first two films uh he's no longer you know worried about going to station you know what i mean like (laughs) like this whiny farm boy he's just he's he's a young man and he's you know, doing the right thing for the right reasons, and that's, you know, admirable and and really great. But, like, Han Solo is just so friggin' cool, you know? Like, so how can you not say Han Solo? (laughs) Um, He's so cool. But I will say, I have to give honorable mention, uh, I have two daughters, and, you know, being able to enjoy Star Wars with them uh, through the sequel trilogies, and, you know, we've watched all of them, At this point but i've you know was able to reintroduce them to the films through the sequel trilogies uh and for that you know i think to have a female point of view like and to have ray as a this strong protagonist um is really important to me i think to have for them to have that character that they can look to and and aspire to and um you know, think about in really fascinating, uh, you know, wondrous kind of ways that children do, I think is, is really been neat to see. And, uh, I, I, I think she's great. I think Daisy Ridley portrayed her wonderfully and, and, um, you, you, you can't go wrong with, with Ray.
2: Hard agree. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, all wonderful characters yeah Um, well thank you for indulging us with that it's always nice to just know what what draws other other star wars fans and star wars creators to star wars so um so that being (laughs) that being said uh jamie before we before we wrap it up uh, uh this is kind of we open it for you to you know Please plug Duel of the Fates the best way you can. Uh, any other projects you might want to share um, you know, with anyone, anyone listening, um, you know, where do they get involved with the things that you do? Well, I
0: think the best place to go is – you know, for this, for the purposes of this, I think the best place to go is ca. I think all of the content that's related that we've put together for Duel of the Fates is all there. That we did a, we even did an after show, you know, like a Walking Dead style after show, talking dead style after show called Talking Fates. And it was weekly on the Sunday leading into the new episode. There was a cast member each week being interviewed by the hosts of the TV talk, uh, Star Wars TV talk podcast. So uh, I think that's a real good place to, you know, get your fix um, if you're interested in this. My question back to you though is. I have released it now as an uncut, you know, sort of two hour and 40 minute thing. Yes. Which way is the best way to enjoy it? Is it, is, because I spent a lot of time cutting up the script to come up with nine episodes that had beginnings, middles, and ends, mm. you know, so there were sort of cliffhangers uh, each week. But is that the way to listen to it, or do you listen to it in one sitting? Like, what's, what's, what do you recommend for your, for your listeners who do go to DuelOfTheFates.ca, how should they listen to it?
1: Oh, man. I, I, I've i listened to it twice, uh, once both ways. So the first time I listened to it, I listened to it um, episode by episode. And then uh, today, um, getting ready for this, I listened to the the full version. Um, and I think, to be honest, for, for me anyways... Uh, but then again, I am used to, to long-form audio you know, listenings. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So um, for me, the, the full version um, kept me in it the entire time because I didn't have the intro and outro to, to uh, contend with um, every 20 minutes. So uh, it, it just sort of flowed uh, and in one nice continuous motion. Uh, There were some times where I was like, ah, that's where the episode ended. Um, You know, (laughs) but but there were other times where I didn't notice. So um, so that was that was really kind of neat. Um, But uh, but yeah, for me personally, I like the the long full version better. Um, But I know that that sort of sitting is not something everyone, you know, a, a two hour chunk is not something everyone is is just capable of of doing in their daily lives so what about you carl
2: i gotta say i I think i did enjoy it as a nine-part series initially um you know i i would say if you really want like the full experience and sit down and and take it all in yes do the full the full you know show um but i think there is a lot of fun to doing it in in serial parts and like i mean i like this so much that i know i'm going to continue to listen to it for the months ahead and i will probably revert to going to it through the episode model that way Um, I think it works better that way is listening to it like a serial which I think it's really cool how you released it initially like that Jamie it's it's you know it just makes it it makes it feel like the old you know George Lucas inspired TV serials Um, so I find that way to be a bit more exciting Um, weirdly enough with like you know quarantining still going on still pretty prevalently it's a nice thing to do like when when I was first doing it I would just take like a little 20 minute walk Like around my neighborhood, and it was like the perfect thing to just like throw on. Throw on one episode; you'd be about twenty minutes. Do a little walk, come home, and then the next day do the same thing. So I kind of enjoyed it in that way. Um, But we also live in a culture of binging, and I do love binging. So I would say if you're a binger, do the full thing. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: So we've given you uh, one of each, so we helped absolutely not at all, Jamie. Right? Um. Sorry.
2: All right. But maybe we gave you the pros of both. Yeah. <laughs> so they so. both have their pros. Um, yeah. But um,
1: that's uh, dualthefates.ca, correct? That's correct. Yeah. All right.
2: And of course, you can find it anywhere um, where podcasts are, are shared, You know, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, I've listened to it all through Spotify myself. Um, and for anybody following us on Instagram, it's still in our bio. We have a link to the Spotify link in our bio. Um, I'll keep that up probably for the next week or so I hope you don't mind Jamie um, but uh,
0: oh I really appreciate it thank you
2: yeah of course we only have like 60 followers at this point on Instagram so it's not like a lot but <laughs> we're working on it um, but uh, yeah so and obviously I will be sharing a link with you know when when the episode drops out again for those of you who uh, either want to visit it for the first time or even revisit it
1: um, yeah and just for those of you out there who are like oh, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't normally do this kind of thing. I don't I don't go out and read, you know, you know, uh leaked scripts and things like that, but I was getting enough uh you know heat from Carl and Greg and the like that I was like, well, fine, I'll check it out. It is worth your time. It is worth your time. It is an alternate telling of, of uh episode 9. Um so, you know, take it take that as it is um and it is uh, as Jamie said like a first or second draft. So, um it's it's just a fun alternate, and, and it really kind of just does help to give a nice, bigger, rounder picture to what um, the conclusion of the sequel trilogy and the, the Skywalker saga as a whole could be. So, uh, yeah, it, this isn't something I normally go out and, and look for and participate in. So if I'm giving it two thumbs up, you're all right, guys.
2: um well before we go uh we do have a poll for all of you for next week um which just kind of in light of this looking at alternate like an alternate take at episode nine um obviously we've been sitting on the sequel the sequel trilogy has been complete now for nearly seven months so we just want to know what is your favorite star wars sequel trilogy movie so that is this week's poll
1: and sorry, Duel of the Fates doesn't doesn't count. Um, right, so, just like <laughs> sorry, the, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, we mean no. theatrical movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, um. So yeah, yeah. Uh, be sure to share that with us. Um, uh, yeah, and Jamie, thank you again for taking the time to do this, uh, and uh, you know, and again, just thank you for making Duel of the Fates. It is something that I I love so much. I plan to treasure it for a long time coming. So thank you for putting
0: in all that
2: work. It means a a great deal to hear that.
0: That's that's what you want to hear when you put the kind of work in that we put in. So um, that's really, really fabulous to hear. And um, as far as coming on here, anytime, guys. uh, This has been great. Um, uh, Yeah, so
2: anytime. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Uh,
1: Well, Carl, if people want to people want to weigh in on any discussion that we had today or weigh in on our poll for next week where can they do that sir uh
2: of course home base is on twitter at wampas lair um, you, we're on facebook still at wampas lair podcast we now have an instagram at the underscore wampas lair and you can always email us at wampas lair podcast at gmail.com all
1: right anything else you gotta put out there carl before we close this down no
2: thanks again to jamie and duel of the fates for making my star wars experience better
1: (laughs) all right well thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the wampus lair podcast it's been episode number 389 duel of the fates for carl and jamie i'm jason and we'll see you next time here in the wampus lair